What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Jeremy Larson. In this episode is going to be a big catch-up of everything going on in the NFL over the last couple weeks. I'm going to start with a recap of the Giants-Patriots game from a couple weeks ago. I was actually at that game at MetLife Stadium with all my friends from Boston. It was a great game to be at. The Giants ended up getting a close win over the Patriots. The Patriots missed a field goal at the end of the game. I'll give a rundown of that game and everything I thought about it. Then I'll give a recap of Week 13 in the NFL and all the headlines. A couple big injuries to a couple teams in the AFC South with Trevor Lawrence going down with an ankle injury and then Tank Dell going down with a leg injury for the Texans. Two losses there for Jacksonville and Houston. I'll talk about Kyron Williams' return to the Rams lineup. They've been great. And then also Zach Wilson being back as a Jets starter. So let's start off with the Patriots-Giants recap. The game took place a couple weeks ago now. The Giants got a win at MetLife Stadium 10-7 over the Patriots. And during that game, it was actually Mac Jones' fourth time this season getting benched. In that game, Jones played in the first half, and then Bailey Zappi came in for the second half. Then Zappi just got the start this past weekend against the Los Angeles Chargers at home. The Patriots will be on the road tonight playing the Pittsburgh Steelers on Thursday Night Football. It'll be Bailey Zappi versus Mitch Trubisky. Trubisky will be starting for Pittsburgh. So obviously with Kenny Pickett going down, Mac Jones being benched, two backup quarterbacks will be going at it on Thursday Night Football. I know a lot of people are expecting a very low-scoring game. The over-under right now is at 30 and a half. I think the Patriots will be somewhat more in the game than people are giving them credit for. But I think the Steelers are going to end up winning this game. I'm going to say 21-17. to 17. As I said, Bailey Zappi will be the starter for the Patriots. But Malik Cunningham will be active, I believe. And I think he's going to get a shot at some point in the next few weeks. And I think he's a lot more exciting of a quarterback to watch than Bailey Zappi. So I'm rooting for Malik to get a shot in tonight's game. I've been a fan of him since his days at Louisville. First when he started back in 2019. So now to jump back into the Giants-Patriots game. As I said, Mac Jones was benched for the fourth time this season in that game. I was there with a lot of my friends from Boston. And it was an interesting game to see, considering the split between Patriots fans of who wanted to win the game versus who wanted to lose for a higher draft pick. At the end of the day, I feel like they got the best of both worlds, where the Patriots were in the game till the end. They got to see a competitive game, even though it was a 10-7 score. Both teams were in it the whole game. The Patriots were in it till the end. But then they also lose the game, so they get a higher draft pick. As I said, Mac Jones was benched at halftime. Didn't look good at all. 12-21 for 21 passing, 89 passing yards and two interceptions. Looked visibly upset on the sidelines. I felt bad for the kid, honestly. It was a bad day for the whole Patriots offense as a whole. He's absolutely broken. No chance that he has much confidence left after such a bad year. And it's really hard to evaluate him with all the ineptitude around him. The offensive line, the weapons, Bill Belichick obviously being in the hot seat, the fan base being against Mac Jones. It's a tough place to play when you're struggling. I think Boston's a great place to play when you're winning. But when you're struggling, I think it's the worst place to play. Since right now, where Mac Jones currently is, he's getting the brunt of all of the blame. And the Patriots have a lot more problems than just the quarterback position. I don't think just adding a quarterback in the draft is going to solve the Patriots' problems. The offensive line needs a lot of work. Wide receivers need a lot of work. There's still a lot more help this Patriots team needs than just the quarterback position. But Bailey Zappi didn't do much better in this game. 9-14 passing, 54 yards passing and an interception. Did set up the Patriots' only touchdown of the game, which was a run after halftime by Ramondre Stevenson. Ended up being a touchdown score there. And Zappi also did set up the Patriots for a game-tying field goal attempt, which... Chad Ryland ended up missing that with six seconds to go. 35-yard field goal. He was way off. I know it was raining. The conditions weren't great. But it wasn't really raining that hot at that point. I know the field's a little slippery, especially the MetLife turf. But he was way off. The Patriots had a chance to tie the game at the end and maybe potentially descend into overtime. That ends up not being the case. The Giants got out of there with the win, which I was hoping for. Now they have two wins in a row. Just had the bye week. And now we're playing on Monday Night Football versus the Green Bay Packers. In this one, Tommy DeVito got the start for the Giants. Great to see him play in person. I expected there to be a little bit more offense in this game. I was wrong, but at the end of the day, we got the win, which I was rooting for at the end of the day. I don't want to lose games. I want to develop a winning culture. I don't want to just say losing's okay for a better draft pick because the Giants had high draft picks for years, 
And even with all those high draft picks, they missed on a good amount of them and they struggled for just about a decade. So just because you have a high draft pick doesn't mean you solve all your problems. You need to still hit on those draft picks and also still put a team around them. In this game, DeVito played well, 17-25 passing, 191 yards and a touchdown. He did also have a fumble in this game, but considering the conditions weren't great with the rain and it was slick, having only one fumble you'll take at the end of the day because a lot of passes can slip out of your hands and get intercepted. That wasn't the case. DeVito took care of the ball pretty well in this game besides that one play. He got things going with Jalen Hyatt early in the game. Jalen Hyatt's best game of the season, I'd say, overall. Five catchers, 109 yards. Great to see him finally producing and getting an opportunity especially running deeper routes, considering early in the season. Besides that Cardinals game, he's running a lot of shallow routes. Everyone in the Giants fan base is loving DeVito right now. Everyone's on his side because of how great of a story he has. And obviously, the Italian, New Jersey background, growing up a New York Giants fan, not too far from the stadium, still living at home. The story's great. But just like CJ Stroud said a couple weeks ago when he was talking about fans, they love you one week and they hate you the next. And I agree with Stroud. Fans are so fickle and they just follow the crowd's opinion. So if DeVito were to have a bad game, all the positive praise and all the support around him could flip in a second. Everybody would turn on him if he has a bad game. And I don't want that to be the case. I'm rooting for the kid to do well. I'm happy for all his success. Obviously, it's a great story. Happy to see his family at the games to support him. But just like Stroud said, fans can flip on you pretty quick. But obviously, with him getting another opportunity to start on Monday night against a Green Bay Packers team that's turned this season around, this is another opportunity for Tommy DeVito to grow his legacy even more. If he has a big win this Monday night against Green Bay, which the Giants still aren't out of the playoffs, they're still alive technically, but if Tommy DeVito were to find a way to win this game on Monday night against Green Bay, a team that's flipped their season around, and this is a primetime game, Monday Night Football, obviously everyone in the country is watching a lot of those primetime games. If Tommy DeVito could find a way to win this game for the Giants, he's going to be even more of a legend. Even more of a legend. And after that, if he were to win this one, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more comparisons between him and Brock Purdy if he finds a way to win this game. An under-the-radar quarterback, Brock Purdy was a seventh-round pick, Mr. Irrelevant, and then obviously Tommy DeVito, undrafted free agent, hometown kid from New Jersey. Both these kids weren't really given much of a shot at first. Injuries happened in front of them. Two quarterbacks go down. Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance for Brock Purdy, and then obviously Tyrod Taylor and Daniel Jones go down. DeVito gets an opportunity. They've both made the best of their opportunities so far. Obviously, Brock Purdy's now a year and a half into being the starter, basically, for the Niners. As for Tommy DeVito, he's only a few games in, but if he were to win this game Monday night, there's going to be a lot more comparisons between those two guys. And yes, it could be an overreaction, considering it's only a few games, but DeVito's looked good over the last few. He has some poise in the pocket. He's scoring touchdowns, seven passing touchdowns to three interceptions with a rushing touchdown as well. He's looked pretty solid overall especially for an undrafted free agent that didn't really probably expect to play the season at all. To get an opportunity to go out there and shine, especially growing up a Giants fan, it's such a great story. One last thing I want to mention was the Giants' defense. They look great in this game. And I know it was against a bad Patriots offense, but the Giants' defense looks solid. Three interceptions, one from Xavier McKinney, one from Bobby O'Karake, and one from Deontay Banks. Xavier McKinney finished the game 10 tackles, two pass breakups, and an interception. The Giants' defense forced five turnovers overall, Two forced fumbles, one from Kayvon Thibodeau, who has had a great season. I predicted him being the breakout player for the Giants on defense, and he's been awesome this year. And then the other forced fumble from the Giants' defense was Cam Brown. Jihad Ward had a very good day as well. One and a half sacks, a tackle for a loss. Great game from the veteran there. The Giants picked up the win overall, 10-7 in the rain. Happy I got to go. This year I had a lot of opportunities to see a lot of my favorite players. Shohei Otani and Mike Trout in the Angels. Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman in the Dodgers. Cutter Crawford on the mound against the Dodgers. Cutter Crawford's one of my favorite pitchers in the Red Sox. Being able to see him play against the Dodgers was great. James Hodden, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. 
Got to see the Clippers play against the Brooklyn Nets just about a month ago now. Got to see Louis Thomason play in Boston as well. And then I also got to see the Giants this season. So I'm very thankful for all that I've got to see in the year of 2023. And this past weekend, I got to see Northeastern Hockey get a win at Boston College, the number one team in the country last weekend on Friday night. So I've seen a lot of great things in sports this year, and I'm definitely thankful for all of those opportunities. Those are memories I'm going to have for a lifetime. When you look at where the Giants currently stand, they're 4-8 and eight on the season. And those two losses to the Raiders and Jets would have been huge to pick up. Because if the Giants were to have won those two games, as crazy as it sounds, the Giants are still alive at 4-8. and eight while they hold the sixth overall pick. But if the Giants were to have beaten the Raiders and Jets in those games, they would have been 6-6 six and six right now and have been in the playoff mix even more. So now I'm going to transition to a Week 13 recap of the NFL season. Trevor Lawrence went down with an ankle injury on Monday Night Football. It's a right ankle sprain. Looked very bad, though, on live TV. Luckily, it's only a week-to-week injury, which is the best-case scenario. So Jacksonville definitely caught a break there. I still like Jacksonville to make a run to the AFC Championship game. I had them going up against the Miami Dolphins in my preseason prediction, and I'm going to stay with that. I still think the best three teams in the AFC, I like Miami a lot, I like Baltimore, and I like Jacksonville. I know Kansas City is still the team to beat in the AFC in a lot of people's eyes, but just like Dan Olofsky said on ESPN today, Kansas City might be the team to beat, but they're also the most beatable team that they've ever had over the past few years. Kansas City's been a lot better over the past two or three seasons than they are this year. And where Jacksonville is currently right now, Trevor Lawrence went down at a bad time considering Jackson was really just starting to get things going. Trevor Lawrence was finally hitting his stride, finally started looking like an MVP candidate. But if he comes back in the next couple weeks, maybe takes a week or two off, and he's back, I think Jacksonville could still make the AFC Championship game. There's still a chance he plays this Sunday. I don't want him to play Sunday. I think it's better for him just to sit out, probably miss a couple games, come back fully healthy so this injury doesn't plague him for the rest of the season. But obviously a tough time for this to happen. You never want to see a star quarterback go down. But Trevor Lawrence was finally hitting his stride. It was the worst time for him to get hurt, considering he was just looking like an MVP candidate over the last three games. In the last three games, five passing touchdowns and interception, was sacked away three times, and also had four rushing touchdowns. So as a whole, in his last three games, nine total touchdowns to one turnover, which is great. He was finally looking like an MVP candidate, and he probably would have had another touchdown in that game on Monday night if he didn't go down. As for the Bengals, they found a way to win that game. Jake Brown, and credit to him in the Bengals' offense. After Trevor Lawrence went down, they found a way to win that game. Browning honestly impressed me. He found Jamal Chase pretty well downfield. In the first half, it was a lot of short passes to Jamal Chase, but he pushed the ball downfield to Chase in the second half, including a long touchdown run, most of it being after the catch by Jamal Chase. Chase finished the game 11 catches for 149 yards and a touchdown. Obviously a big win there for the Bengals. Probably not going to be able to make a run without Joe Burrow, but still a good win, though, for that team. And I'm happy to see them competitive with Jake Browning as their quarterback. As for the Houston Texans, they suffered a major injury in that game on Sunday. Tank Dell went down with a fractured fibula. He's going to be out the rest of the season. And that's a major loss for this Houston Texans team. And my main question is, when looking at that play, why would he ever be a lead blocker at the goal line? Why would he ever be involved in a scrum at the goal line trying to block? He's a 5'10 wide receiver. That's 165 pounds. Doesn't make much sense to me for him to be blocking at the goal line like that. And now Houston will be without their top weapon for the rest of the season. His rookie season was great, though. 47 catches, 709 yards, and 7 touchdowns. He was destined for even bigger things for the rest of the season and maybe even in the playoffs. But now with him going down, the Texans are looking to Nico Collins to be that number one, which he was earlier in the season. But before Tank Dell went down, the last four or five games, Tank Dell was that wide receiver one in that offense. So now I'm going to transition and talk about the Chargers' 6-0 win in an ugly game against the Patriots this past Sunday. 
Bailey Zappi didn't even look that bad in this game. Guys were just dropping passes left and right. He finished the game 13-25 for 141 yards. Did get sacked five times in this game. The Patriots' offensive line is awful, like I've mentioned now a million times in this episode. Their wide receivers are below average, especially with Pop Douglas being out. They really don't have many weapons at all. But with Pop Douglas being out, their offense is even weaker. Justin Herbert finished that game 22-37 of 37 passing, 212 yards. Wasn't his best game either. Only two field goals in the game. But it was still enough to get a win. Khalil Mack looked great on the defensive side for the Chargers. Two sacks, and now he leads the NFL with 15 on the season. He's looking like the Khalil Mack of his early Raider days and Bears days. Quentin Johnston finally made a bigger impact for that Chargers offense. Did drop a big pass in that game, but at least he looked better overall. Five catches of 52 yards. Probably going to have a bigger role for the rest of the season, I'd imagine. Another week in a row where the Patriots defense played well, but their offense did nothing. The Patriots just suffered their first five-game losing streak since 1995. This is their first 10-loss season since 2000, and they allowed just 10 points or less in three straight games and lost all three. They're the first team to do that since 1938. This is the first time in back-to-back losing seasons since 1994. This is the first time in the Robert Kraft era that the Patriots had back-to-back losing seasons. And one thing I always mention to my friends when they talk about the Patriots being bad this season and how unbearable it is to watch them, most teams in the NFL and most fans haven't been as fortunate or even close to as fortunate as the Patriots fans have been in my generation. The Patriots have been very lucky and very fortunate to see a lot of winning seasons, see Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Randy Moss. The Patriots had a lot of great seasons and a lot of great players. Not every team and every fan base has that opportunity in their lifetime. So even though the Patriots are struggling this season, most other teams in the NFL have felt this pain and even more for years and years. The Giants were bad for about a decade after winning that second Super Bowl against the Patriots. They were bad for a decade. I still stayed with them every step of the way, but obviously, I know things are tough. I know things get tough when you're losing like that. The Patriots are 1-3 when allowing 10 points a few of this season. In the rest of the NFL, teams are 50-0 when allowing 10 points or less. So that's obviously just proving the Patriots' offense has been holding them back. And that's a big reason now that they've had back-to-back losing seasons for the first time since 1994. The first time the Rubbercraft era, like I mentioned. And it's not the defense. It's the offense. After the Chargers... Their offense didn't look great in this game at all either. Another rough week for Austin Eckler. He's not having the same fantasy production. I know the offensive line's bad, but when you're watching the game, he doesn't look the same either. He's not hitting the holes like he once did, and he's not as aggressive in the passing game like he once was either. As for the Patriots' defense, I know they're good as well, so you factor in the Patriots' defense is good, a bad offensive line for the Chargers, but Austin Eckler hasn't looked great. The Patriots have allowed 46 points since Week 9, which is the least in the NFL, but they're 0-4. And this is in ranking of fewest points allowed since week 9. The Patriots are number 1, 46 points allowed, the lowest in the NFL, they're 0-4. The 49ers are 4-0 since week 9, allowing just 49 points. The Dolphins are 3-1, allowing just 62 points. And the Ravens are 3-1, allowing 66 points. The Patriots' defense has been great. And even though I know they haven't played the best of opponents over the past few weeks, their defense is doing the job. It's the offense that needs to be better. Speaking of offense, the Rams' offense is really taking off with Kyron Williams back in the backfield. They're averaging 33 points per game in the last three games, 413 yards per game with a 3-0 record with Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, and Kyron Williams in the lineup. They stand at 6-6, six and six, and they have a chance at the playoffs right now. Something I predicted would happen. I thought the Rams would win nine games this season, like I said in my season predictions, and I thought they'd make the playoffs. I said that in my first NFL predictions episode, and the way they currently stand right now being 6-6, six and six, they have a chance. They have a chance. And credit to Sean McVay. He's a great head coach. I know a lot of people like to go at Sean McVay and like to criticize him. He's a great head coach. 
So the last thing I'm going to mention before I close the episode is Zach Wilson will be back as a starter for the Jets this weekend. I believe this is their third time going back to him as a starter after moving on from him twice over the last year. If my count's right, they've moved on from him now two times over the past year, and this is the third time they're going back to him. They benched him once last season and went back to him. Then obviously this season as well, Aaron Rodgers was a starter. Then they went back to Zach Wilson when Aaron Rodgers went down. And then they also benched him again this season for Tim Boyle. And with Tim Boyle getting cut, now Zach Wilson is back as the starter. And there were some reports earlier in the week that Zach Wilson was reluctant to step back in as a starter. And honestly, if that were to be true, which I know Zach Wilson said it wasn't true, and I know Robert Sawa said that Zach Wilson wanted to start. But if those reports were true, good for Zach Wilson sticking up for himself. I know he's been struggling to score touchdowns, but they played Tim Boyle over him, who they just cut. Zach Wilson was a scapegoat for this team after Aaron Rodgers went down and ruined their season in week one, just four snaps into the year. All of the Jets' expectations for the season, with Aaron Rodgers going down, were all placed in the hands of Zach Wilson. And he's been blamed for a bad offensive line, a poor offensive coordinator in Nathaniel Hackett, and just a terrible situation all around him that now he's stepping back into this Sunday. And here's a clip from Zach Wilson over the past day talking about this opportunity, being able to start for the Jets again this coming weekend. He was questioned about whether or not the reports were true about him being reluctant to start the game. And here he is giving his response. Absolutely not. You know, absolutely not. I, uh, I love the guys in this locker room, and I would do anything. And I think anytime you have an opportunity to step in this field, you need to take advantage of it. Did you feel the need to address the team at all about that? Because that report kind of was widespread on Monday. No, I don't think so. And I think more than anything, I've had support from those guys through this entire process. I think guys understand where we're at right now, and I've had backing you know, since day one, and that's why I love this team so much. And, you know, they understand the struggles we've been going through. And, you know, I think there can be a lot of respect shown to just keep fighting from everybody, and we're, we're all going through the same thing. Obviously, you can tell in that clip, Zach Wilson has definitely matured over the last year. All of the struggles and adversity thrown his way, he's definitely matured, and I think he's going to be better off elsewhere after the season's over. He can get an opportunity elsewhere. I think he's going to be better off. Obviously, this process is making him a lot stronger. All the struggles and all the chaos around him, He's only getting stronger and smarter, and it seems like he's a lot better as a leader now than he was a year ago. I think he's going to be better off elsewhere, and I still stand to the kid. I'll be rooting for him this weekend to do big things for the Jets' offense. And here's another clip that I liked about him talking about being frustrated with the Jets and him being reluctant to step back in as a starter. He was very angry that the report came out. Were you? I think I was frustrated, obviously, but at the same time, uh, this New York media, you you understand that's part of it, you know, and I can't say it's been the first time, you know, we've dealt with it as a team and as a unit, and so it's definitely not a distraction for us going forward, and I think I think it's something we can put behind us, and I think the, the locker room is in a good spot, and everyone just wants to be good, and everyone wants to be great and and focus on this next week and see how we can get some wins here. Is it, is it possible you maybe in a conversation with someone in a building made an offhand comment that could have been construed as you being reluctant? I don't think so. I mean, I don't think so. Um, I believe, for whatever reason, that when things go bad, things go bad like this. But I know this locker room and me have a great relationship, and I've never once said that to anybody in this locker room that I wouldn't want to play. And so that's why I think we have such a good backing is, is everybody knows I care about this team. Everyone knows I'm going to do everything I can for the guys in this locker room, no matter the situation. Did you think that that was it, that you, know, you were going to spend the rest of the year as the three or whatever it may be when, when it happened? Well, one thing I've learned about being in the NFL is you can never assume anything week to week, right? You're, you're literally going week to week, and I truly believe it's, you know, maybe I'm not playing this week, but i got to stay ready to go, and if my opportunity comes, I can't wait to take advantage of it. 
So there was Zach Wilson talking about the report that came out that he was frustrated and didn't want to step back into the role as the starter for the Jets. And obviously he put that down right away just by saying the New York media is going to find things to say, find quotes. That's obviously a big part of the business, getting clicks. He put that down right away and just said he's grateful for the opportunity and nothing's guaranteed in the NFL. The next guaranteed snap is Zach Wilson is the first start of the game. You never know what's going to happen each and every snap of the game. The only guaranteed snap you have is that snap when you're on the field. So obviously Zach Wilson isn't taking this moment for granted. He's not taking this opportunity for granted, and he looks ready to go out there and just ball out. If you listen to Zach Wilson talk, you watch these clips, you can tell this kid wants to win. I know he's struggling. I know the Jets' offense hasn't really done much with him as a starter this season, but this kid wants to win. Everything he said this year, being the backup, now being the starter, all of these clips of him talking, he's saying the right thing. And here's one more clip I want to mention, and this was a question about him jumping from the starter all the way down to QB3 in the depth chart. Now back to quarterback one on the depth chart. Here is his response to that question. You say expect the unexpected type of thing, but is, is the yo-yoing back and forth, you know, is that, does that affect you at all? I don't think it does. Like I said, I really, truly think it's made me stronger. Is it frustrating? Of course, but I need to, I need to play better, and that starts with me. And I understand that, you know, there's always things to work on. So how can you complain when you can watch the film and see mistakes you have? You know, you need to be able to say, okay, I need to keep working on getting better. And whatever it is, uh, how do I focus on that? When you listen to the kid talk, you can just root for the kid just based on his responses to all these questions. Even though everything that's been thrown at him over the last year, from being benched last season, the Jets wanting him gone, him coming back as the backup with Aaron Rodgers as the starter, Aaron Rodgers going down fourth snap of the season, and all the Jets' expectations to win the Super Bowl this year falling in Zach Wilson's hands, then being benched for Tim Boyle, then being third on the depth shot, now being the starter again after reports came out that he's reluctant to be the starter again, even though he said that was false. Zach Wilson has gone through a lot over the last year, a lot during his tenure with the New York Jets. Not much around Zach Wilson has set him up for success. And I know most quarterbacks in the NFL don't have a perfect situation around them, but for Zach Wilson and everything he's had to go through over the last couple of years, this kid is a strong, mature, tough kid, and these responses are a lot more of a leader than he was last year. He's obviously matured through this adversity, and I'm rooting for this kid to do well. I still believe he can be a starter quarterback in the NFL, and I'm hoping he gets an opportunity elsewhere after the season ends. Hopefully he finds a way to keep them competitive over the next five games, and he finds a way to be either the backup for the Jets again next year, or maybe even a starting role elsewhere if a team wants to have a bridge quarterback for the start of a season somewhere. I'm hoping Zach Wilson gets another opportunity. I still believe this kid could be a player in the NFL. I truly believe it. He has the talent. If you watch his film... When he airs it out, he plays confidently like he did in that Sunday night game earlier in the season against the Kansas City Chiefs. He's a slinger. He can throw it around the field. It's just getting the confidence and getting some other things set up around him. He can still be a quarterback in the NFL. I still stand with Zach Wilson, and I'm rooting for him to turn things around. Even if I'm wrong about this take, when you're listening to him talk, it's hard to root against him. It really is. I root for him even more after I hear him talk about all the situations around him. Even though everything's been poor around him for the most part, from coaching to injuries to the offensive line to the fan base being against him, he doesn't let that affect him when he's talking up there at the podium. He doesn't mention any of those things being things that are negative around him. He says, I got to be better. It starts with me. And he also mentions there's a lot of things on film where he's seeing his mistakes. He's acknowledging, okay, I'm making mistakes and there's things that I can do to get better. And I think Zach Wilson can do it. I'm really rooting for him to do well this weekend. And as I said, even if I'm wrong about hoping that he can turn things around, I'm fine with that. I'm fine if this is a hot take and it ends up going south. I'm rooting for Zach Wilson to turn things around, especially when you hear him talk at the podium. You can tell this kid wants to win and he wants to figure things out. And he's definitely matured a lot through all of the adversity and negative situations handed to him. All the adversity and challenges 
have made this kid stronger, and I'm rooting for him to figure things out this Sunday against the Houston Texans. Anyways, that'll wrap up this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it. I hope you guys have a good one, and I will see you guys in the next episode. Thank you.